Alrighty, boys and girls, welcome to another Limitless Otaku. This is episode 15, and I will continue the rest of this podcast in this voice. Oh, like, excellent. I, I thought for a second, like, Darth Sidious had joined the chat or something. No, Darth Sidious would be more of this nature. Yes. Yeah. Join totally... the dark side. No, no. Yeah, I totally got that wrong. I meant Count Dooku. Oh, I hate you <laughs> so much. How dare you call me Count Dooku, you I dick. seriously meant Count Dooku. I don't know why I said Darth Sidious. I prefer Darth Sidious, even though I'm more of a Darth Plagueis man myself. But that's Oh, just yeah. Me. I don't Darth understand Plagueis why they can't ass. just give us, give us that man in like a no, live action project. because that would make you happy. And right now, Star Wars doesn't allow any of us to be happy who have read the books. If you haven't read the books, it's enjoyable the way it is mm -hmm. to some level. Um, but if you have read the books, then you just sit there the entire time going, that's wrong. That doesn't make sense. When the hell did he learn force healing? How are they related? Why aren't they brother and sister? I refuse to enjoy this movie. Goodbye. <laughs> and that about sums it up masterfully. <laughs> I don't know if that's just me, but uh, yeah. Anyway, guys, uh, so on this week's episode, uh, last week we did talk that we did mention, excuse me, that we were going to talk about The Witcher season two. Uh, Cleveland and I had a little bit of a powwow yesterday. Um, and after he mentioned the book Iron Prince, which is in the I'm trying to remember the name of the series. It's the Warform Stormweaver. Yeah, Warform Stormweaver, which is the first book in the series, and it's only one book so far. Uh, but I started reading that book, and I immediately got sucked into it. I I am a very slow reader, so it's taking me a while to get through it, but it is so enjoyable right now. So we decided to flip the script today's episode, and we decided to talk about the first five chapters of the book. We're not really going to go too far into it, so there's not going to be a lot of spoilers in it. So don't feel like you have to completely abandon episode and be like, oh, I can't listen to this because I don't know the book. We're just going to talk more or less about our favorite elements of the book and what it's doing right so far. That's kind of bringing us into the book. And so we're just going to kind of share those points of view and just some of our favorite moments so far in the book. Yeah, absolutely. Like Steven said, and, and why like, I was so kind of adamant on getting Steven to get into this book and i i briefly mentioned it in our last episode but i truly believe this has the potential to just like blow the roof off of fantasy science fiction as we know it now like when you talk about the game of thrones of the world or the witchers of the world or the the harry potters or the uh you know what i mean like the big fantasy projects this has all of those elements that they had and more in my opinion like the world building, the unique characters, the the real world element that actually makes us believable, even though it's, you know, within like a, a sea of science fiction and fantasy elements. Just like all those things that make people hooked to those big projects that I just mentioned, I see the seeds of those in this first book. And I am just so excited about like where the future of this story could go and just the potential of the story as you know we move forward yeah and i 100 percent agree with you on that like when you first brought up the iron prince and for the longest time you've been telling me about different webtoons uh manwas like light novels and shit like that and so in my head i was like oh it's another light novel cool so i went and i purchased it off of amazon um and it's like 18 bucks a normal book price it's nothing crazy and i bought it and i just didn't think of it and then it came in two days and whatever and i opened the box or the packaging it came in and it's like this tome of a book <laughs> and i'm looking at it, it's like this cannot be right and at first like when i picked up the package i was like oh it just must be like a hardcover no this is all paper and it's like over 800 pages long and i was just <laughs> like is this like a chemistry book or like a, <laughs> a cult book like i felt like it was just like the biggest book i've ever owned in my life and i was just like well alrighty, i have my homework cut out for me but no i was just like flabbergasted with like the actual like heftiness of just this first book and i was like okay this is this is some serious shit this isn't some light novel party <laughs> and steve i gotta give you huge props um like one of the things that is kind of like a repeated occurrence and anyone who can relate to me about like what i'm about to explain will probably agree with me is like when you're kind of that 
I don't want to say gatekeeper because that sounds a little bit narcissistic, but when you're like usually the first person in your group of friends to like discover something and then you try to, you know, get everyone else kind of hooked on it, you, you, you always get a lot of disingenuous like head nods. Like, yeah, for sure, bro, I'll read it. And then like they never read it. But you, dude, you always hold up your word and you do it quickly. Like when I tell you something, when I'm like, yo, you need to check this out. I'm always thinking like, oh, maybe like a month or two from now, he'll, you know, let me know that he started it. No, nah, no. Nah. When you when you really like are convinced and you tell me like Cleveland, this sounds amazing. Like within a couple of days, I get a message from you like, yo, I got it and I'm reading it. And I'm like, God damn, that was quick. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure like the moment I got it, I like took a picture of it. I was like, yo, dude, look what showed up today. Because <laughs> like, like, I, I have to tell Cleveland. I got it. I got this book because like I am I am definitely one of those people that I am. I don't want to say easily swayed, but I might like my interests are so vast mm -hmm. that pretty much you can throw any kind of topic at me as long as it's not like boring political science. I'll generally be interested in it. And so with this type of world building and also I'm a huge, I love the the main character's name Raiden. Oh, it's yes. like my favorite name. I think it's a sweet character name. Um, but just like from the from the prologue of this book. It is instant action right away. Yeah, it's not like colorful speech. It's not like oh, and the dew fell in the morning as the <laughs> as the white uh, doe galloped across the field. It's like no, here's these two people in vicious combat trying to kill each other. Yeah, and it was just like instantly pulled me into it, and I was so I was like just hooked instantly. Absolutely, and and right away it for me anyway it gave like a soft spot in my heart for the mc because all i'm thinking about is like this cute little kid who like has these physical elements who you know can't really do nearly as much as like you know his uh you know the people that are his age or you know the people that you know he's around or whatever like kids his age he can't really do nearly as much as what they do but like he's trying his damnest to just like watch any sort of cat fight that he can possibly watch and like i can just imagine this cute little kid kind of like curled up in a ball like watching the feeds just like one day i want to be that <laughs> <laughs> so so let's uh let, let's back it up here for a quick second so yeah, the sure. main character main character of the story his name is raiden ward um he is born with a um a physical defect where his body is pretty much like attacking himself so he's he's not as strong as all the other kids he's a little bit weaker he has constant surgeries to help modify his body to keep him alive and well and this story takes place i think in like what was the year Cleveland like 2050 or something like that? Like pretty far into the future. Right? Yeah, I don't remember the exact uh, date off the top of my head, which is weird because I normally do. But um, I know for a fact it takes place in the 25th century. OK, so like we're, we're pretty far ahead in it in like in um, in history. And so like this is 100 100 percent fantasy. Yeah. But in this day and age, uh, parents can pretty much. Like if they like this kid was given up for adoption and he was put into an orphanage because his parents didn't want to deal with his health concerns. And so he is just this ill child who's just trying to find his joy in life and his joy in life happens to be cad fighting, um, which uh, Cleveland, do you want to go into a little bit about what a cad is? Yeah, so um, I, I kind of explained it briefly uh, last episode, but a cad is almost like a, in a, like a, I don't know how to describe it in a way that I want to say it. Like, you know how when you got something in your head, but it's hard to articulate it in words, it's, it's yeah, almost no, like a, you. it's almost like a mechanic assistant slash weapon that allows a user, which is someone who owns a cad to surpass what a regular person's physical abilities would be and it serves as like i said it serves as a weapon it serves as a physical like a physical skill set augmenter like augmenting your speed your physical strength your endurance all of that and also the coolest thing about this as it pertains to like this specific story when compared to other stories that have similar uh science fiction themes is that like we've seen stories in the past where it's like, oh, you know, this man's half machine, half man. You know, we've seen those stories before. That's nothing new. But what's cool about this is that the CAD defines everything from the user's physical ability to almost their physical attributes as well to a certain extent. Like obviously uh, because you live in such a 
technological advanced society, there are ways that people manipulate their physical appearance before they even get assigned a cat if they're lucky enough to get a cat. Like people can design themselves to have the hair specific hair color they want, the specific eyes they want. They can they can do that before they get a cat. But once you get a cat, it can actually drastically change kind of how you look moving forward or enhance how you look moving forward. So um think of a cad as literally like your own personal Iron Man suit. Yeah, because I think like the what CAD stands for, I believe, is combat advanced device, I yes. believe. Yeah. It's 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 um, some it's something along those lines. Honestly, there's there's so much uh there's so much terminology like within the story that I'm still trying to like take notes and go back and research all the different terms and elements so that, you know, I have a better grasp on what's going on in the story. Yeah, no, me too. Like I was even reading like the first like chapter of it, whatever. And they kept referring to the node or yeah. the N-O-E-D. Mm-hmm. And I like went back in the book. I'm like, did they give me a definition of a node? What the <laughs> fuck is a node? Right. So, like there are there are a lot of acronyms in this book, but they're like how they're written. It just kind of flows with the conversation. It's not Absolutely. something that's completely like out there that completely pulls you out of the conversation. It's just kind of it seems like a normal thing in this universe yeah and and i think that the node actually and again i'll have to like i have to go back and reread this and verify some of this stuff but i think that a node actually is what can define someone's kind of physical appearance before they get um before they get a cad but either way like a cad is pretty much like your own personal iron man suit but it, it it's not something that is how do I put it? It's not something that's set in stone, no matter, you know, who gets the CAD or where the CAD goes. It's something that adapts itself to fit another person's unique character traits and abilities. Yeah, exactly. And so as as you start off with the CAD, you're going to start off at the lowest rank possible because it's a new thing to your body and your body is adapting to it. But as you train with it and become more and more familiar with it, um, it pretty much just like in any kind of video game or, you know, RPG is it's going to level up with you. And mm-hmm. so with each, which each with each level you hit, you're going to get a new feature that you can use or a skill mm-hmm. and that's like another really big thing is like the different skill sets that each um cad user can use because they're all defined by their specialty mm-hmm. um and also at the same time the cad itself modifies as well so it'll actually cover more and more of your body as it levels up so instead of just covering your forearm it's going to cover your entire arm or maybe more of your legs or more more of your chest and so it's always changing and manipulating almost like a living organism to fit what your needs are yeah and and while kind of like we're still talking about kind of like the beginning elements that we're introduced to as we initially start reading the story um one thing that i want to point out that i absolutely love about this story is i love how in most of the chapters not every chapter but in most of the chapters before you get into like the gritty main plot of that specific chapter you get like an overview historical account of something by like a historical figure within their society, which oh my, I'm, I absolutely I'm so, love. I'm so glad you brought that up because I love that aspect too. Because not only do you get like you get like the story itself is entertaining, but then you get this overall this overall arching like historical fact of like that day and age of like how the entire world sees the the universe, and it's just so cool on how they explain everything and how things are how it started out and how it advanced to where it is now. I Absolutely. think I just love that lore element of the story as well. Exactly. And, and and don't get me wrong. It's not, it's, it's not the first time again, like I said previously about another element, this isn't the first time we've seen this type of um, storytelling in other stories, but I promise you like it might as well be the first time because the way the creator Bryce O'Connor and Luke Chimilenko, the way that they, have it perfectly fit with the story it is just absolutely masterful and i cannot like i cannot get enough of it like there are some times where i'll literally just like skip to a specific beginning of a chapter just so i could hear like a specific uh historical account like uh early off we get a uh, we get in a historical account from someone named hannah von guile 
And like every time I hear the name Hannah Von Guile, like in the story, I- I'm just like over the moon. Like, yes, I want to hear anything that this Hannah Von Guile person says. <laughs> Tell me more, Hannah Von Guile. <laughs> yes. I want to know everything. Yeah, um, exactly. But <laughs> speaking of that, um, the other thing that I love about it is so with me, I kind of jump between the audiobook and the actual physical book, depending on my situation. Okay. Uh, so if I'm doing like house chores and whatever, I just throw on the audiobook and I just like love listening to this. Um, the guy who reads the book, um, whose name is Luke I can't Daniels. Luke Daniels. Uh, thank you. Has yeah. does like an amazing job with his characters. Absolutely. That just help bring each of them to life. And it's just like how he tells the story. It's like, I'll be, you know, I'll be like walking on the treadmill or whatever. And the next thing I know, I've been on it for like an hour and a half. And I was like, (laughs) I should probably go do something else now. It's just, he just submerses you in the entire world. Yeah. And it's just such another like huge nod to the the book itself that these characters exist in it. And then this man brings them to life with his voice. It's just beautifully done. Absolutely. And it's a brilliant plot device too, because, um, when you actually listen to the audiobook and you hear the very distinct accents he gives these characters, you, you get that feeling of like a like a Yankee on like a military base. You do you you get what I'm saying? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I totally yeah. You, you yeah. kind of get that vibe. Um, and even like the southern accents are like so, or like what sounds like a southern accent, it, it, it totally fits that kind of that southern military mode in a sense, if if that makes sense. Um, but some people might say like, oh, that's just like a matter of convenience because, you know, the guy's speaking English and this is kind of like how a lot of people in America sound, or at least people in the military, or that's how a lot of people envision people in the military sounding. And like, I, I will agree with that. There definitely is some convenience involved, but at the same time, it's also a tool to make the world seem more realistic. And as you make the world seem more realistic, it'll be that much easier to draw people into the deeper uh fantastical elements of the story yeah no 100 percent. and then also to kind of you know piggyback off your military comment uh, comment um so in this uh universe the the earth is still at war with this alien race that um they're constant in battle with for like the last you know couple centuries and so it's a consistent thing that they've always known war and that's why the cads came around because it was the only way to help in battling these this unknown entity or i i don't know if they name it early in the in the series or in the yeah chapters, they're called I mean. the archons the archons okay thank mm-hmm. you um and so uh they so they use the cads as a way to fight the archons but at the same time they use it as a form of entertainment for the rest of the world so yeah. it's like a double-edged sword that they're using so people can get benefit out of it as to like bring more hope and positivity in the world by having something to cheer for like a sports team and then at on the other side it's helping defend the world at this it's just it's so cool that they can use something for entertainment purposes and as defense i think it's really absolutely and and again this goes to the brilliance of kind of the storytelling is that they do such a good job of showing us like what Raiden is currently going through and using that as an opportunity to slowly but surely expand the world building so when we meet Raiden in the beginning you already touched on you know him kind of watching cat fights as like a little kid and then you fast forward to that was in the prologue and then you fast forward to chapter one and the first thing we see is he's in a fight um and he's kind of like getting his ass kicked so Steven you want to kind of uh touch on you know what we kind of learn in that first chapter, not only about Raiden, but kind of like the school system he's in and where he's trying to go moving forward. Yeah. So um, Raiden, after he was been in the orphanage, um, the orphanage actually funds him or sponsors him to go to school. Um, and while he's at school, he joins what's known as the combat fighting team, which put it blatantly, it's kind of like a boxing or karate team or whatever. Yeah. And so in the beginning of chapter one, we see Raiden in the middle of a fight and he's mentioning how he's seen things flash in red and he's, and he can see something like happen before it actually does. And that has something to do with something he's wearing known as a node, which gives him warning signs to his, um, 
to his vision to let him know when an attack is coming or when to block or when something's going to happen. And he mentions that it's not the best equipment he's ever used, but he's manipulated it in order to like kind of help him in these fights. But even with this benefit, he still ends up getting his butt kicked. And at the end of the match, he gets a swift kick in the knee. He gets, well, a swift kick in the knee. He gets kicked in the face with a knee (laughs) and legitimately just starts having, um, you know, gushing blood. But as that's happening, he can actually use the node in his that he's wearing and he can actually get the bird's eye view of what actually just happened. Right. And so he mentions in the thing, he, he, he like closes his eyes and he switches to the spectator view and he sees how his opponent defeated him. And that is, I think such a really cool element that they just have like these personal computers built into their like vision that they can manipulate and use when need be. And this is the first time you kind of get a spark of, uh, Raiden's like personality and sense of humor is because his opponent's about to come up to him to like, you know, shake hands or bump fists or whatever to say good fight. And Raiden just goes, uh, I hope you don't mind, but I'm not going to shake your hand. And he raises his hands and they're just covered in blood. Yeah. And the his opponent just looks at the ref going, can I can I leave? I don't I don't want to be near him because he's just like a bloody mess. And so you just see his like he just got his butt kicked, but he can still have a humorous side at the other on the other end of the spectrum. And as he gets off the bench, he already knows what his coach is going to scream at him. And he's like, just block with one hand next time or whatever. And he goes over to the bench and we meet what would be, quote unquote, like his school, his school bully who comes over. And I I forget his name off the top of my Lee. And Lee gets like in his face and starts giving him a hard time being like, can you do anything? Are you good for anything or are you just good for losing? And as like you kind of feel like tensions rising and you feel like there's about to be some more fisticuffs between teammates, um, you hear from off in the distance this girl's voice saying, would you guys just make out already? It's getting uncomfortable. And it introduces uh, Vivi. um, And Vivi is like, uh ray's best friend but everyone kind of like he feels bad for her because he's like she would probably have a lot more friends if it wasn't for me because he's like the crippled kid he's the one that's always you know causing trouble and he's the one that's always um you know pretty much the bottom of the rung even in this like orphanage school of kids yeah and so um (laughs) and oh no no before you go on steven i just want to touch on something before i forget it um, and because I'm so glad that you brought it up about his first fight and after he loses and he kind of has that confrontation with his coach. Again, <clears throat> one of the things that I constantly have noticed while I was reading this series is how like how it does such a good job of bringing in like brutally honest real world elements. And one of them is coaching because we have like Hollywood has created almost like this fairy tale um, expectation with coaching that coaches treat all players equally when they do not dude coaches have their favorites and they have the people that they don't like coaches are humans just like anyone else who have flaws just like everyone else so while like in theory a coach is supposed to be someone who treats everyone equally and is supposed to you know give everyone the same amount of at- uh, attention and opportunity to grow that is not the case and i know because i played sports most of my young adult life or most of not young adult, most of my childhood, I played sports and I saw coaches who were favorites to some people and were pricks to other people for no other reason than the person that they're being a prick to didn't have the skill set of someone else. And so you see that in this story because Raiden, when he meets his coach, she's like very dismissive towards him. And at one point, kind of like she gives him like a like a couple words of, you know, advice or whatever. And then she just like walks away like he doesn't even exist or matter to her. And I thought that as much as like as a reader that frustrated me, I had to like internally, you know, give a round of applause to Bryce O'Connor for you know, establishing that very brutal, but very real, like psychological element to these pe- these characters. Well, yeah. And then it also it shows how Ray already knew he was going to get that critique from his coach because yeah. he knew how little of an effort that coach was going to put into giving him any kind of like pointers for, you know, what to do next time or whatever. He just knew he was just going to do the bare minimum just so he could say he quote unquote coached Ray. Like he was getting more of like an applause from the ref who like 
you know, was trying to help him get down from the mat and yeah. being like, hey, it was a well-fought fight. You like you did a good job, you know, keep keep your head up high. And like Ray was so unaccustomed to that, like encouragement that it made him like sick. He was like, I don't I don't like that feeling. I don't, I'm used to being berated and yelled at. Don't encourage me for losing. Yeah. And so that kind of shows what he's used to seeing and what he's used to being around when it comes to like authority figures. Yeah. So then um, as you kind of alluded to before I cut you off, Stephen, we then get introduced to one of my favorite characters in the story and one of the coolest characters I've read about in quite some time, and that is Viv. So, Stephen, you want to go a little bit? Because I know you were about to talk about Viv and then I cut you off. So you want to, you know, go into a little bit about Viv and kind of what you think about the character? So for me, I honestly think Viv is like, because like for me growing up, I had countless friends who were girls like i don't know why but i just was more accustomed to hanging out with girls than i did with guys i don't mm -hmm. know why i just what my friend group was growing up and as kids and viv reminds me of one specific friend i had who was like she always knew she was she knew how to play rough with guys she knew how to play like football and do whatever but at the same time, she also had her feminine side and it just made me think of her instantaneously. And she's just like a very attractive woman. And like, I think Ray mentions, he's like, she's stolen more um, lovers from both sides of mm -hmm. the, on the, on the gender wheel than, than anyone else on the class. And so it kind of shows that like, you know, she's, she's probably bi and she's more interested. She's like not really stuck into one, um one class or one um identity and so that kind of just shows the complexity of the person yeah but also she's also an extremely skilled fighter as well because she's not just there as like a supporter or a cheerleader for for ray she's also there fighting just with ray as well like she's in her own weight class she's like um i think she's even like one of the better fighters on the team like oh, yeah she's like absolutely this, i think i think in the book she was like in a semi-final fight yeah and they like were like they were like saying like viv from this school weighing in at 165 and she like kind of like gives the finger to the speaker and being like i told him to take 20 pounds off of that the fucking assholes <laughs> and it just kind of shows how like she's just like kind of has that humor humorous side as well of being like you know making jokes oh yeah absolutely and like if i had to if i had to like let's say and again this is more another example of like the real world elements like if if viv if this was like college football or or not college football this was high school football where it's like this is your final year before you go to college or maybe it's your junior year when you're still trying to decide what school you're going to go to. Like yeah. Viv would be considered a five-star recruit. Like that's how talented yeah, cause she like, is. She, yeah. Cause she just like, everyone looks up to her cause she's always going to be like in the semifinal. She's the one that's always going to have the better record than everybody, but she also still has, that's not just who all she is. She's so much more than just that. Right. She also has the same aspirations as, ray which is to get a cat as well yeah and so they kind of both are in there to like and that's kind of i think what makes them really strong as as a connection um because they both have the same dream as to be um be cad fighters and so they're helping each other get to that get to that goal and then there is one moment that i really really enjoyed which was when they were both sitting on the bench and ray was sitting there on like unbandaging his hands from the fight and Viv, without even looking at Ray, asks, was your arm bugging you again? Because Ray knows about Ray. I mean, Viv knows about Ray's um, medical condition. And she like was trying to be very subtle about it and not bringing it to be like the front news to everyone around them to be like to show like how much she can how much of a concern she has for him of being like, you know, right. I, I noticed your arm was bugging you during the fight. Like, what's like, have you been resting? Have you been taking your meds? Do you have another surgery? Like she was asking all these questions, but trying to be really subtle about it because she didn't want to be that, like bring that up to be like the main focus of the conversation. So it just shows how she also has that tender side as well. It's just like this right. multifaceted right. Like character. Right. No, I was going to say, yeah, like she can almost anticipate his thoughts and like what would kind of bother him. So she knows kind of what to mention and when to mention it. Yeah, exactly. And it just it shows how well their dynamic is between each other to right. be that, you know, 
that close of friends and taking care of each other, which is awesome. But uh, yeah, so with Viv scaring off the bully and then <laughs> that kind of wraps up, I think, chapter one, I think, in the most part. Yeah, and the the kind of, I guess, the, uh, the plot element that uh, chapter one kind of leaves off on that lets you as a reader know where the story is heading in future chapters is they're about a week away from what they call like the entrance exams. So uh, to kind of take a or take an opportunity to explain a little bit more about the world building uh, because of, you know, this being the 25th century and the advancements that humanity has had a technological and social um, they have like, they've gone far beyond, you know, just conquering earth, so to speak. They have truly, uh, like, conquered space in a sense, or have conquered a lot of space. Like, they have deeply explored space to the point where I believe, and I could have this wrong, but I believe they've, like, successfully colonized, like, over, like, or, like, at least, like, seven different solar systems. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It's, it's, it's like an astronomical amount of, of, of how much space they've actually explored and taken over. So, like, imagine Earth as not just, like, the only planet. Like, imagine it as almost like the headquarters, but, like, there is an entire system of, like, planets and, uh, you know, territory within space that uh, the society, like, has ref or seeks refuge or, you know, holds some sort of authoritative position in. And so to kind of further encourage, you know, the improvement of CAD technology and to um, kind of further expand into space, they obviously have to continuously develop new talent and try to, you know, get the previous gen or the new generations to um, surpass the previous ones. And so they have an entire system set up that is, very similar to the way that you know we do things in the real world and so uh chapter one leaves off with you know viv and ray getting ready you know within a week they have the big exam that will decide what academy they'll get into which i think is like really cool because it gives that real world military and even like that real world collegiate sports vibe to it you know what i mean steven yeah no exactly and it just definitely shows the I guess the extreme complexity of the situation that everyone's in at this point, right. When they can't just be kids anymore. Now it's, you know, they have to consistently look forward uh -huh. to, okay, I want to, I'm going to go to school, but in order I'm doing school in order for me to be possibly get a CAD. So that way I can go into being in the military at some level, whether it be, cause I think there's people who go into CAD to just do it as, uh kind of like as a pro professional cat athlete i guess right. just to kind of like put that quote like that title on it mm -hmm. and then there's other people who do it to become military soldiers absolutely so there's like there, there's two different venues you can go down even if you pick the cad right and and the test in itself like is really fascinating to me because on one hand it, it reminds me of like a mixture of like the nfl combined with like the armed services vocational aptitude battery test which is like the the big army entrance exam that you have to take in the real world. And so, yeah. It, 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 oh, no, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Steve. Yeah, no. So it's pretty much not just looking at what your physical abilities are. It's definitely going above and beyond that to what's your actual, you know, body structure. What are, do you have any underlying diseases? Do you have any other conditions that we need to know about that would cause this to have an, an adverse effect on your body? Uh, would it, um, you know how like uh, what's your level of intelligence are you willing to work through issues are you just trying to find the easy way out they they look at everything and not just the physical nature of the person but also the mental state and and what possible issues could be down the line yeah so we so we finally get to that day where like they're taking the test and one thing that immediately struck out with me and i couldn't help but like give in like an internal grin was like how all of them were like like when they got to the written exam part which by the way is the part where like the main character raiden is not worried about at all because he's like a huge cad nerd he knows like everything there is to know about it in terms of like what an average citizen could possibly know and so he's not worried about that part at all. But what I found hilarious, and again, 
like brought in that real world element is like how stunned they are that they're going to be taking the test on paper yeah like there's a moment where like they all approach the desk or whatever and they they look down and they see paper for the first time in a world that's all digital. And like Ray even has this moment of like slowly caressing the paper to like feel the texture of it. Cause he's never seen it before. He's never used it. And then like my favorite point was like when he had the pen for the first time and he like slowly pulled it down his hand just to see that black mark left behind it. And it was just this funny moment of like, just astounded by the most simple things that we use on a daily basis. But to them, it's like an alien technology. Yeah, dude, it's, oh man, I, I love that scene so much. So then, um, Steven, to your point, you kind of alluded to it as they're taking the test, you start seeing people that like are trying to cheat, like immediately get caught. And of course, Raiden doesn't have to worry about that because Raiden's a freaking genius and he just aces that test. But the problem with Raiden, the th real thing that he's super worried about is the second part, which is the physical part. And because of like all of his ailments growing up and kind of where his body currently is, like he's a very short kid. He's a weak kid. Viv, his best friend, is not only taller than him, but she also weighs more than him. Like, so you can get a picture of, like, how tiny Ray is and, like, how physically incapable he kind of is. But at the same time, there's a very interesting um, idea that Raiden brings up that, for me as a reader, like, reading it told me a lot about the type of person that Raiden is and the type of willpower he has. Steven, do you remember the part where Raiden is thinking about the physical test because he's worried about it? And he's like... Now, I don't think they'll actually make me fight, although it probably work more in my favor if they did. And at first yeah, I'm thinking, I, yep. when he said that, at first I'm thinking like, are you crazy? How would the hell would that make you look any better? And then as he explains it, he's like, when they see someone my size, like giving the fight that I will give to whoever my opponent is, they may be like, dude, this kid is worth taking a shot on with in terms of potential alone. And that made me think, you know, um, it went back to that first chapter when Raiden, when Lee tries to bully him and um, Viv defends Raiden and she's like, Lee, dude, your record is three and two. Raiden's is two and three. If he had your size, he would run circles over you. And that told me a lot about Raiden's willpower, that he's not letting his physical ailment, you know, deter him. Like he is so determined and so... Uh, at, so uh, resolved in his mindset of getting better and being the best possible fighter that he is that he pushes himself past his limits to get victories in situations where he shouldn't even have a chance to get a victory yeah exactly and then also during like when he when he when he hands in his test to kind of take it back a little bit he like walks up and he goes hey i was i was told to hand this to you and she goes why what's wrong goes, I'm, <laughs> I'm done with it and she goes, what? And she goes, yeah, I'm done with it. And so she takes it kind of skeptically being like, he missed a page or he didn't do all the questions. And she goes through the whole thing. And she goes, oh, holy shit, you are done. Um, Okay. And so she puts it through like a machine to grade it. And then he's like waiting to figure out if he's going to learn the score. But he just sees like a display light up that he can't read. And the lady looks at it and she just has an ex like, like just she's blown away by the what she sees. And she goes, okay okay interesting and then she goes well i don't think they're ready for you for the physical portion but i guess i'll take you back there and we'll figure it out and like it just shows how like they were not expecting somebody to finish the test in record time like i don't right. think anyone had ever finished it as fast as ray did it and it, and it shows not only kind of like how significant of an achievement that is for raiden but it also again gives us subtle hints on the type of character raiden is and kind of i guess his his redeemable qualities moving forward because again when i heard when i saw specifically in the entrance exam kind of arc or mini arc as he's like talking to all these different officials and they're you know giving him their his advice or reacting to whatever you know is going on with him one thing that became crystal clear to me is that raiden ward is a remarkably perceptive individual yeah no like and it was also he's when he knows he wants something he just does everything in his power to study it and to get to as much information as he can like you said and like when he went to do the physical portion the, the major who is doing the the test he goes so do you, do you know what you're doing here 
and Raiden just starts naming off machines, being like, oh, yeah, that's for my blood cell count. That's for my uh, my lung capacity. That's for my physical strength. That's for my my like stamina. And like the the, the major was just like, oh, all righty, let's get it going then, because like I don't have to explain anything to this kid because he can just see what's around him and just take all that information in instantly without any explanation. It just, it like, it blows like a guy who's probably given this test thousands of times is like, well, nobody really knows what any of this is. And there's Ray who's just like naming shit off by their names and being like, Oh yeah, I know what that is. And he goes, Oh, Oh, okay. Well, let's, let's get the ball rolling. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So like, so, um, so basically we know like in, if, if, the listeners can't you know already figure it out by now like Raiden absolutely nails the written exam like he he aces it does as well as anyone could possibly expect to do but then we get to the physical part of the test and Steven it doesn't go too well for him does it well if he just tried a little bit harder and didn't have (laughs) a bunch of weird bone issues he would have passed I think I think we can give him a good try I think that's what he deserves is a good try but yeah, no. So sadly enough for our buddy Ray, <laughs> he does not pass the test. Um, no. And the major comes back into the room and he he can just see the look of like despair on the major's face because he kind of had this like enter like he was so excited for this kid to pass because he knew he would because he's like, I like this kid's energy. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. And that the major was, was just trying to find the best way to explain it to him. But that was also like, like a really encouraging aspect of the story for me is that there were, you know, we come across multiple, you know, officials that are really rooting for the kid because they understand that tenacity matters. Your mindset yeah. matters. Determination matters. And regardless of what his physical abilities are, anyone with half a brain can see Raiden Ward has that exactly and he has the like you said the drive and the desire to do this whereas if you put somebody in the position that will crumble within the first any within the first moment of any stress or tension that's that's completely useless to you so why would you want it and even to go back to when they were doing the written test when they give this whole speech at the beginning of the test being like only one in 12 passed this test they start listing all these other careers that they can follow instead of being a CAD person. They're like, you could be a truck driver. You could help with sanity. Like they, mm-hmm. they try to point out all these different careers. Yeah. And even Ray and Viv notice this immediately being like, they're trying to psych us out. They're trying to make us think that we shouldn't even try and we should give up because right. we're not going to pass. Yeah. And so that just shows they're putting that's like the first hurdle that they put in front of them being like, we're going to make you doubt yourself. What happens when you're put in that position of self-doubt? Yeah. Do you push ahead or do you just fall back on your heels and fall down? Because like, isn't it, I could be wrong on this, Steven, but isn't it like one out of every 12 get a CAD? Yeah, it's like one out of 12. So like everyone that went in there, they were looking at, they were looking at pretty much rivals. They were like, I need to beat everyone in this room to get what I want. And even and even like with Ray, he was in there technically competing against Viv to get a CAD and they were hoping and he actually kind of noticed how people were being paired up. He noticed that people from the same school would be would be would be paired up and sat next to each other or people who came in as friends would come in and be paired and sit next to each other. And at first, Ray thought it was because it the, that was going to be your quote unquote fighting comp- that you were going to fight that person in the physical portion of it that was one theory he had or he's like oh maybe they're trying to tempt us to cheat off of our friend because they you know you go in there and you want to help your friend succeed but you have to stand on your own merit and that's where ray finally figured it out was these are just temptations for us to cheat and we need to look past that and actually stand our on our own merit pretty much Right. So, um, so essentially Raiden flunks the physical portion of the test, like just does very bad. And to your point, like the, the guy who comes out to like deliver the news, he's trying the best way to break it to him. And then something very miraculous happens. Uh, (laughs) the guy, like, as he's telling Raiden that he pretty much failed it, something goes off on the node and it's a notification that is extremely alarming and Raiden can already tell by looking at, you know, the soldier's face that something weird is happening. 
And so the soldier tells Raiden to um tells Raiden to hold on for a second. He's gonna like seek help to figure out like what's going on here. And so in his kind of flustered um in his kind of like flustered mentality, the soldier just like fucks up and just like leaves the node like on the desk for like anyone to see. Yeah, he just he just leaves it face up and it's just like a tablet with this blaring message blinking on it, just begging <laughs> someone to come look at it. And I was like, you may have wanted to flip that upside down or take it with you there, Tiggins. Right. So and- then Raiden like reads it. And again, I could be wrong. I have to go back and reread it again. Um, And again, this is a for me anyway, this is a sign of a great story. When I got to go back and like read it a couple times, to like figure out all the different elements that means that for in my opinion anyway that this is just like an amazing story at least that's how it is for me but yeah, i'm no, pretty sure like you oh no go ahead you definitely want to pick up like all those little tiny minute details because it could be important later on in the future right so i i believe and i could be wrong but i believe raiden actually sees the status on the node that says um his failing was overruled yeah he actually he does see it because it's like um during the test the the guy who's giving the test has like a desk that like floats around him yeah and apparently in his hurriedness to leave he bumps it and so it's kind of just like in the zero gravity state of the the desk is just floating around yeah and it just happens to go past ray and he looks at it and he sees it right and then the next thing he knows he hears the flap of the tent open <laughs> and it's the general of the army in there and the next thing like ray does is he just snaps to attention yeah and And obviously the general kind of notices the 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 desk floating around willy-nilly with the note on it and he's like i'm assuming you have no idea why i'm here and you're not completely confused by this event at all are you he goes no no not confused i have no (laughs) idea why you're here how could i possibly know you just got here (laughs) right and that's the thing too again and that's also like the redeeming qualities of a lot of these officers obviously there's some other not so favorable uh officers that we'll get into later in the story but at least for this interest entrance exam like they respect the qualities that you do excel at and what i mean by that is i've seen it like i've seen coaching like up close and personal where like there are players that i've played with who aren't necessarily the most physically gifted but they are without a doubt some of the smartest players on the on the court but that part gets dismissed because they're not like the flashiest individuals you'll see. Whereas, so like it would have been, in my opinion, it would have been very easy for like the officer to ride Raiden off totally just because of like his physical test. But he respected Raiden enough to know like this dude aced the mental test. I don't have to baby him along. He knows exactly what the fuck is going on here. Yeah, no, exactly. And so like Raiden kind of, goes along with the maid with the general and he's just like um you according to our results you have failed the physical test however someone has overruled that and you have now passed um you will now be going on to the next portion of the test you will not question this you will not wonder why and he pretty much just tells rain to shut the fuck up and just go with it um which i loved because like too. the entire time raiden is completely confused about everything and as raiden's leaving to go he like goes with the officer or the whoever was with him and to go out to the next portion of the test which is the third portion of the test that no one knows anything about it is kept hush hush no one's allowed to speak of it even after you go to it you have complete confidentiality. You can never speak of it. Yeah. But anyway, so as he's going, it kind of goes back to the the general and he just goes there and he goes, what on earth is it thinking? Yeah. And that's like the only thing he says. And in another thing, too, that I really like that happened like slightly before that is how the officer like brings up the fact that he knows Raiden is really good friends with Viv and he tells him, you know, like make sure or like he, he pretty much tells him like dude like really good friends are hard to come by like make sure that you like appreciate your friendship with viv and like doesn't he also mention he's like having a friend to go along to to do this journey with makes it a lot easier or something it, like that exactly he makes that he makes the hint that viv is also going to pass this test exactly and it also kind of gives us like it gives us an idea of like how much of a cutthroat world it can be. And it also gives us like the understanding that because Raiden's like thing was overridden, like that is not normal. 
and it could cause a lot of, you know, unintentional trouble for him, you know, down the road. Yeah, especially considering this is a test that only one in 12 pass. Right. And for someone else to come in and just say, oh, I don't care what your results were, you passed for yeah. other people who actually did pass it. You know, that would kind of, you know, you know, stick in their craw a little bit and get a little pissed about it. And so, like, it's definitely something that I think even the general mentions do not talk about this to anybody. Like only like your closest friend, which is when I think he brings up Viv is like is the only people you should ever mention this to just to kind of for your safety and for the safety of everyone, you know, because you never know what might happen. Exactly. Um, and so and so then this kind of shifts into the third portion of the test, which I I thoroughly enjoyed this entire this entire section. And this is, do, it, do you want to this is honestly one of my favorite chapters in the entire story. Oh my, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it from the moment it started until it ended. Like yeah. I just, I couldn't get enough of this chapter. So, so kind of to start off, Raiden enters this room and it's a room that previously he had seen a thousand times before. Like he's, he's very used to the room, but the difference is like now it has a completely different setting. It has the setting of like an official cat arena, which obviously has Raiden like over the moon. Like he's super excited, like, holy shit, like. This is what I want. This is what I've been dreaming of my entire life. And now, like, I'm literally stepped, like, I'm stepping foot in a setting that looks like a cat arena. So, like, he's over, you know, he's super pumped. He's super stoked. Um, and then he hears a voice warning him to be careful about, like, where he steps because, uh, like, the walls are, like, or something around the, like, the lines of, like, the walls are, like, hard to replace or some shit like that. Yep. <laughs> And then Raiden, like, he hears the voice, like, the voice is kind of coming from everywhere. So Raiden's like, what the fuck is going on? Who says that? And he looks over, and it's very interesting that Raiden describes it as, like, a person looking back at him. But as Raiden kind of observes it more and kind of explains more about this individual, quote-unquote, you find out that it's not truly an individual at all. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a robotic um ai sentient being kind of in front of him and even saying an ai is uh like doing a disservice to it because it's much more than that but originally when raiden sees it that's what it looks like to him and so uh the i guess the ai figure kind of trolls raiden a little bit <laughs> like like he's literally like trolling him like at one point he tells raiden like Oh, come closer, boy. Like, I won't bite. <laughs> and then he, like, sticks his face right in front of Raiden. Raiden's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, the like, AI starts cracking up laughing. Yeah. Like, all right, I'll stop trolling you now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, the entire time, it's just this AI creature just, like, disappearing and reappearing just to scare the crap out of Ray. And he just gets a kick out of it. Like, he just finds it the most hilarious thing. But the thing that makes it so unnerving is it doesn't have any facial features. Right. It's just a blank sphere where a head should be. And so there, it doesn't have a smile, doesn't have eyes, doesn't have anything. And so Ray is trying to have this conversation with this this AI. Yeah. And he's just trying to figure out who this is. It's like, who are you? What are you? And I don't know why, but I always envisioned it. Like, for some reason in my head, like, as I'm reading it, like, I envisioned it looking very similar to, like, that old Will Smith movie, I, Robot. Dude, I was just about to say the same damn thing. <laughs> Like a hundred percent, that's what I pictured. I pictured the the AI robots from from iRobot. Oh my god, that's <laughs> insane! That's awesome. Oh yeah, god. but um, but yeah. So um, so they sit down and they kind of start talking. And as they're talking, Raiden realizes this is not a normal robot at all. This is actually the mind. Like the actual and like the robot again, the robot's controlling him. So then, like Raiden's like, "Oh, you're an AI," and then the, the robot kind of like looks at him and he's like, "Yeah, I am." And like I thought <laughs> it was so cool because the way that the uh the way that the mind answers him, it it shows like this this being has a lot of personality because even as he's answering it, you can tell he's thinking like, "Is that really what I am?" And then he's kind of like, nah, I'm a little bit more than that, bro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it just shows like the, the complexity of it yeah. and how at that moment, Ray 100% believes that the mind is only in 
that room with him. So he's like having this one on one moment with this like great being of intelligence or whatever. And then the mind is like, I just don't want you to think like I'm the only I'm just in here. I'm also in like 17,000 other rooms at the same time, giving this exact same speech to them. Yeah, like it, it just shows how he can be everywhere at once and still have a variety of different conversations with everyone. And just to, like, if anyone's confused on exactly what the mine is, the mine is, like, the biggest of big shots. The mine is the one that's literally running the entire system across all galaxies, or all solar systems, like, all galaxies, wherever, you know, from where the beginning of, like, the society's territory starts to, like, the farthest out, out um, outpost of, like, where the territory ends, the mine oversees all that shit. Yeah, exactly. And he is con- and like he's always learning and being in different areas. And at the same time, he's also fighting the war with oh, with the um, the Archons. Yeah. At the same time. And, and so it's just it just shows the, the power that he has as a as a as an AI creature. Right. So like as they're having a conversation, you as a reader kind of pick up on very quickly like, oh, this is the fucker that overruled his, his his physical test because he literally states like, um, like I brought you here because I am very curious about you and I kind of like essentially want to pick your brain. And so we find out like this is what the secretive third test is. And again, a lot of real world element, right? Because one of the things that is very common in our society and Stephen, you know, we've talked about this several times in the past is like, let's say you're about to go to like a job interview, right? What is one of the Mm -hmm. things you do to prepare for a job interview? Even if some people like tell you not to do it, it's almost like a human instinct that you do it. You go on Glassdoor and you try to find anything you could possibly find out that will give you some type of hint of what type of review questions and what the process will be like, right? Exactly. And you believe them 100%. (laughs) You never question Glassdoor. No, it's undefeated, We learned this very, very... difficultly many years ago right it's 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 undefeated but um so raiden like obviously has been looking into the feeds which again very reminiscent to like real world you know imagine the feeds as like discord or instagram or twitter like you know what i mean or reddit (laughs) probably probably closer to reddit actually if i had to really think about it but um probably he looks in the feeds to see if he can get any hint on what the entrance exam is going to be like and the only thing that he couldn't get any information whatsoever on was the third test and this is why because you find out that the third test is a personal interview with the mind itself and so um raiden quickly like picks up on the fact that the mind is the reason why like those kids got caught cheating right away. And to what you pointed out earlier, the mind says, yes, you know, me and you know, the other people that are helping me like evaluate these guys, like we don't want anyone who's looking for like the easy way out. And so uh, the mind and like, I don't want to give too many spoilers, just want to give an overview, like the mind and Raiden have like a, have a conversation where, you know, the mind is kind of trying to pick Raiden's brain and decide like, okay, he's got me intrigued off of like his written test, but like, do I really want to give him a CAD? Like, let me throw him some questions and see how he answers it. So one of the things that struck me about that early, one of the early chapters historical account from Hannah Von Geil is about how she talked about like um, how celebrated CAD fighters are and how if you become successful um, either at the collegiate level or the pro level, you actually have an option to like forego being on the front lines in terms of like the actual military militaristic like relevant war that's going on with the archons like you can actually kind of um be excused from that in order to continue like being a collegiate or a professional cad fighter and i always found that to be like i found that to be really fucking weird right like for me because i'm like why would you want to give your best fighters a pass from like fighting the most crucial war that you have you know what i mean steven yeah exactly yeah no like because then then you're pretty much just hamstringing yourself for a war that you're trying to win right you want these people to be you know fighting with you and to help defeat the enemy so why would we ever want them not to be part of the war effort right so that's what i always 
thought was kind of weird. And I was so that that made me even more grateful for this chapter because like they answered that question very quickly. And I'm telling you, Stephen, after I read that historical account, you know how my mind works. I couldn't get that thought out of my head for like the rest. Like, why do they do it this way? This does not sound logical. Like, I just kept thinking that. And then sure enough, when we get to chapter five, the mind reveals it. And this is like the big question. This is the question that's going to decide if the mind is going to give Raiden his, his cat, or at least I think it is, or I thought it was. Um, and he pretty much says, you know, why do you think, um, well, first he asks him, he says, based off of like your written test, I assume, you know, about the archons and Raiden gives like the answer, like, oh, like he kind of explains them. And then he essentially says like, they're the enemy and the mind says, oh, top marks, you, you got it right. Almost. Or you, you, you got it mostly right, but there's still one thing that you didn't get right. But to be fair, you would have had no way of knowing it. And so Raiden tries to figure out what it is, and we find out that CAD technology is actually mainly consisted of pillaged Archon technology. Mm -hmm. Which Which is pretty much just taking their powers and turning it on themselves. Right, exactly. Which is like a huge, for me, I was like, God damn, that's a knowledge bomb just dropped on us. (laughs) Well, and like when they said it, I was like, how how is this a good idea? This could not be a good idea. This is going to like turn around and bite them right in the ass. Like something bad's going to happen right away. You would think. Right, right. Absolutely. And, and uh, no, trust me. I thought the same thing. Even Raiden thinks it. Yeah. Like like instantly he's just like, none. that can't be right. We would, we would have, they would have destroyed us eons ago if that happened. Exactly. And so then here's the thing. And so this is like the big question, right? So, um, the cat or the mind says something to Raiden. He says, uh, like he says something along the lines of Archon or like the Archon technology adapts at a rate that like our human beings shouldn't, or, uh, or yeah, human beings like shouldn't be able to catch up to or something like that. And Raiden like was about to answer. And then he steps back and he's like, wait, what do you mean? Shouldn't like, like, it should be absolute you're kind of saying it like that's not actually the case to which the mind like gives his version of like a smile and he pretty much asks Raiden like why do you think that like people in the collegiate and pro level like get a pass on fighting on the front lines and this is the big question this is the one where it's like depending on how you answer this this will decide if you're going to get a cat or not and this is answers like the question that like I had you know from the moment I heard that historical account from Hannah Van Gael, which is that the reason why the mind allows these people to kind of forego being on the front lines is because every fight that they have, whether it's on the collegiate level or on the pro level, the mind is learning from their battles and is figuring out strategies to adapt the CAD technology. And the amount of, I guess, knowledge that he's getting or that it's getting from these fights is worth like not having them be on the front lines, which lets us know as a reader that he must be, or it must be getting like a tremendous amount of insight from these fights. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's the ability to bring in outside variables that the mind can't perceive just because of his AI nature. Right. And he wants to bring in people that have different drives, different mentalities, different techniques to be able to take that and bring it into his equation to find out what's the best way to modify these specifications to make the CAD better. And he even mentions that um, this idea didn't actually come from him. It came from one of his generals. Right. And he says something like with enough time and processing, I could have come to the same conclusion, Mm -hmm. but I'm always willing to listen to other people's opinions, which again, like highlights its own distinctive personality. Yeah, exactly. It just shows the ability that, you know, even though it is an AI and it should be all knowing, there's certain things that we might get to quicker just because of how we think or how we process through issues than how an AI or a computer would. Right. And so it kind of comes down to the fact that Ray is sitting there being like, okay, so you want the best of the best to be the fighters. That way it makes the CAD better. And then it kind of comes down to the final question. Then why did you pick me mm-hmm. and so the, and the mind kind of sits back and says like well, what do you think right 
Yeah. And it, all, it, yeah, exactly. Go ahead, go ahead. And all, and all Raiden can say is like, I'm an outlier. That's why. And he yeah. goes, exactly. Exactly. You're, you're the you're the you're the unknown variable that I could never have predicted. Exactly. And and what the mind kind of like even goes further. And what we find out is that the mind does like a deep dive into Raiden's history. And he finds out that, like, despite Raiden's circumstances and his physical ailments, he still managed to make it this far. So what the mind realizes is like, like physical abilities aside, this kid has more potential than anyone I've ever i've ever seen like his his resilience and his willpower is just it shouldn't even exist (laughs) exactly and he's like there's no reason this could this kid should keep fighting for this dream when he's had this many roadblocks in front of him yeah he's been consistently knocked down and told you're not strong enough or you're not power or you can't do this you can't do that yet here he is one of the highest scored written examees yeah and the only thing that's in his way is his own physical attributes that he had no choice over right it was merely a combination of cells coming together to create him right so then so basically the mind essentially like asked raiden like okay like well raiden pretty much says like so in other words like you want me to be your guinea pig to which the mind kind of like looks back and he's like is that going to be a problem like does that bother you and then of course raiden's like not doesn't bother me as long as i get a cad <laughs> so the exactly. mind just like my dude <laughs> <laughs> for some reason why is it that i can see them doing like a handshake fist bump and like, like, oh, not like my guy <laughs> <laughs> so, so um so i think that's an appropriate place to for us to kind of leave off for now but um, so essentially the mind decides to go ahead and give Raiden a cad and um, our next segment can kind of go into like where the story goes from there. But Stephen, would you agree that this is kind of like an appropriate place for us to leave off? No, like once I got to this part in the book, I legitimately had to put it down and just be like, OK, <laughs> I need to compile what I just learned. Like, right. There was just so many like perfect moments just within the first five chapters of the, this book. Which, if this is just what's in the first five chapters, right? I can't wait to see what else is coming around the corner. Like, it's just so exciting for me. Exactly. And that's why I kind of love that we're doing this segment because obviously I've already read it. But, like, you, like, kind of taking it, you know, chapter by chapter and discovering this stuff for the first time, like, I'm super excited to be, like, along this ride with you. Yeah, no, like 100%. Like once we once we're done recording today, like I'm going to go put my uh, my AirPods in and I'm going to go listen to it while I make dinner. Like I'm I'm excited to continue this journey. But absolutely. um, But awesome. um, No, 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 no. Yeah. But I was just going to say like, um, yeah, that's I think that's pretty much all we got for today. Um, I thought this went really well. And like, I'm really excited about kind of how we, you know, kind of deep dive into the series moving forward. Yeah, definitely. And uh like I said, I can't wait to get in more of it. So um, once, first of all, Cleveland, thank you for bringing yet another great series into my life that I will forever be obsessed with and will <laughs> read for hours on hours. You know how uh, I do, bro. Yeah, I know, dude. Like since the since day one I've met you, the only thing that I've yet to say I'll do is play The Witcher 3. <laughs> Every single like month you check in, it's like, have you played it yet? And I was like, nope, still haven't played it. I don't know why that's the one thing I won't do. I'll buy a book that's like the Tome of Ages, but I won't play The Witcher 3. <laughs> well, to be fair, that game is ridiculously long in itself, which that, makes that, it that, even yeah. weirder that I've played it all the way through like 20 times. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know where you find the time nor the energy, but I don't know either. I, you know what it is? I think it was back on my days when I used to work the pharmacy. I had a very rigid, like strict schedule, so like that came with a lot of stress. And so Witcher was kind of like my stress reliever. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I get that. <laughs> Alrighty, well, guys, until next time. Thanks for checking out Limitless Otaku, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Right. Peace out, homies. <laughs>